Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. And uh, we are, again, we are in this series called Faith Under Fire. And uh, if you read any of the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, as you know, uh, was uh, written by Paul. And uh, amazing story, uh, quite a conversion, quite a change of lifestyle. Uh, went from basically persecuting and destroying the church to uh, a whole entire turnaround where God actually used him to really push uh, the gospel forward. And so we're going to pick up in Galatians 1 and verse 11. How many of us here have ever known someone, a boss at work, who was really harsh or kind of mean that you didn't really like too much? Unless your boss is here, don't raise your hand. Um, My boss is, so... Exactly. He's not. He's not. Uh, but if you have, I don't know if you've ever, I have had the rare occasion, and maybe you've, maybe you, this hasn't happened to you personally, but maybe you've heard of it, but basically where you know this person, maybe it's a boss or somebody you know that's over you that's very shrewd, very harsh, very mean, and then something happens. They have like a near-death experience, or they lose a spouse, or something happens that really shakes them to their core. And maybe you've been fortunate enough not for that, what happened to them, but you've seen all of a sudden this person change. They come face to face with something that's out of their control. They come face to face, a lot of them with God uh, through these hard times, and it changes them, doesn't it? You see a complete difference and like, what happened? And well, they went through a really hard time where they almost died. And it's, it's really amazing. And, and so if you can kind of grasp that a little bit and pull that into the picture as we prepare to read this passage of Scripture, that's really uh, the Apostle Paul and his, what happened in his conversion when he, he came in face-to-face contact with an Almighty God, when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, and, and it required a change. So picking up in verse 11, in ver- or, sorry, uh, yes, verse 11, chapter 1 of Galatians, it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers." But when he had set me, uh, sorry, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. 
But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. When I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ, they only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for your word uh, that changes us. God, we thank you for your message here tonight that our hearts are open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The first uh, thing we need to pull from here is is that um, Paul, there's a revelation that takes place to Paul. All right? When he comes into contact, as I said, with Jesus on the road to Damascus, it's, it's a very powerful moment. And that's what we see here uh, in verse 11, uh, that, that he is acknowledging that the gospel that he received was not compiled by or from any human authority on earth. There was no human reasoning. There was no logic. How many have ever read the gospel and realized very quickly this is very different message than what you hear in the world? To follow Christ really is to go against really what the world says in almost every way, shape, or form. Sometimes we call it an upside-down message, don't we, or a gospel or a way of thinking, but maybe it's better to say it's right-side-up, yes. right? The least shall be first, the first shall be last, all those kinds of things. You read these things, and you're like, that goes like nothing in line with what the world says. This is why, and this is what Paul is bringing home, is that this message is not of man, no man in their right mind would think that way. If you go into the corporate world, it's claw, 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 you know, pull everybody down around you to get to the top, right? But that's not what the Bible says for us to do as believers. The second part of the revelation is it's not just that it's not of man, but it did not come from man, okay? It is not a, a gospel that's from human thought, but it did not come from another person, all right, the gospel was communicated to, to, to Paul by none other than Jesus Christ himself. All right, and this is very important. All right, and this is Paul's argument here in verse 12, where he says, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is, his gospel was different from that of the other apostles. It's not, sorry, excuse me. It was not different from the other apostles, but it was received directly from Jesus himself. And that's what's amazing, and that's something to take note of, is that Paul did not meet and convene with the other apostles yet. But yet what's amazing is when they did meet and convene, their God, the gospel message lined up perfectly. Do you know why? It's not a trick question. It's because it came from the same place. And this once again solidifies what Paul is saying and the message and his account of what happened. Going back to uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 9, uh, we haven't read that yet, but this is what Paul is talking about. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, okay? Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And this is really important. This is what happens a lot in the world, and, and even... 
I will say even amongst in some churches, in the church, you have to be very careful. Know who you're listening to. And listen, Steve says it all the time too. Don't trust me. I mean, trust me. I'm your pastor. <laughs> but, but don't just take my word for it. You know, when we say something, I hope that you take, our, take the Bible, take the word, pull it out at home. I hope you have a Bible. I hope you know where it is. And take it out, look at it, get online, pull our notes, and go through it yourself. You always, you, you have to know this for yourself because I'm telling you, and this is warned all throughout Scripture, especially about the end times, people will come. There will be false prophets. There will be things. And, okay, now I'm going to start preaching. There are things... <laughs> There are things in the world, Satan never comes at you from like an obvious standpoint, you know, the whole image you see in movies with a pitchfork and horns and no, I mean, he used to be an angel. He knows what looks good. And what happens is that even he knows who Jesus is. Okay. And so he knows how to present things in such a way, but you know what, if there's just this much that's off. It's not truth any longer. Okay? I can say you have to drive, I don't know how many miles, 800 miles north to go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's not true, right? So, you know, it's, you're going to have to drive. You're going to have to drive a long ways. But the whole north and south part, it's one word difference. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Right? And you would find out very quickly that your journey is in vain. So we need to be vigilant and we need to be on guard. And, and Paul is addressing this. And, and also he is uh, coming against some of the people that were attacking him. Before the gospel that he was sharing, they were saying it was, a, it was an easy gospel or it was, it was a, a soft gospel or it was not the true gospel. And so what he does back in Galatians 1, 6 through 9 is he's coming down hard on those that preach anything different than the gospel. To pick up in verse 7, he says, Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel, okay, so he's putting the stakes high. He's, I don't care if an angel shows up in your room. If it says anything other than the truth, do not accept it. If we or an angel uh, from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Again, Paul is solidifying. If there is anything, he's saying, if there is anything you see in me, anything you hear me say that is not that does not line up with what you heard originally or initially, then I deserve to be accursed. And nobody could hold a candle to him. You know why? Because everything lined up. It's amazing when you get it from the right source how that works out. Amen? Listen, Paul certainly knew much about the Christian faith that he was persecuting. Paul was not a foolish man. Paul was an intellectual man. And I promise you that Paul studied those whom he persecuted. Think about all the ones that he stood in front of in their last moments on this earth, or the ones that he was dragging in and put imprisoning them, you don't think any of that, I mean, they had nothing to lose. You don't think he heard the gospel message? You don't think he heard about Christianity or about what it was to be a follower of Christ? 
I promise you he did. Either he heard it firsthand or he read about it or he, he heard it from someone else. He knew about what it was to follow Christ, okay? But as we read here, it was only through the revelation of who Christ was that caused his immediate conversion. It was through Christ alone that he received the gospel message. Again, we keep using this term revelation, revelation. So revelation only comes from God alone. That's it. And there are many people out there, and I'll I'll go ahead and say there's probably a lot of people in the church, and they know about who Jesus is. I alluded to this earlier when I said Satan and his demons know who Jesus is. They probably know more about Jesus than most Christians do. But they don't know him in the way that we are able to know him. They don't, they're not capable to have a revelation of the Christ. Does that make sense? It's a lot different. I, let's say, uh, I don't know, we've got a pretty good mix here. Has anybody ever been to, I don't know, the UK? Okay, we'll go with that. Listen, uh, I actually, this isn't a good illustration because I've actually been there too, but um, if I had never been there and I, I could sit up here with a brochure and I could read to you all about the UK. But for those who have actually been there and for some of you who actually grew up and lived there, you could probably get a, give a much more intimate account of things there and how it really works compared to what I could get from reading a brochure, okay? And it's kind of a similar parallel. When you follow, choose to follow Christ or when, when the revelation of Christ comes, it's like going from that place of a brochure to that place of actually living there. Does that make sense? In my mind, it does. Hopefully that conveys to you. <laughs> But that's kind of what the revelation of Christ does is is we need to go beyond just knowing him in a book and knowing him in our walk with him every day. Pulling from uh, in Matthew chapter 16 is the account of when Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he asks, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And he goes around, they say different things. And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter says... Uh, in verse 16, it says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, all the disciples are sitting there. These are all men who'd been traveling with him, who'd been journeying with him, who'd been living, breathing every moment with this man. But yet Peter is the one that says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, and he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, okay, that's code for man or people, all right, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I just, if you stop and actually really just pause and just digest scripture, it can really just blow you away sometimes. Here you have the 12. The 12. (laughs) As we refer to them, the disciples. These, These men knew Jesus. They're sitting there in front of him. Again, they had seen miracles. They'd seen all these things. Yet only Peter was able to say at that point, this is who you are. You are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. We need to pray that we truly have a revelation of Jesus Christ. When we're saved, I believe, you know, that's what happens. But I think sometimes we, we get sidetracked and we lose sight of, this is, this is Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God. This is God. Because I promise you, we would live our life different if we truly grasped that. I share with this a little bit on Friday. I, wanna, I feel like I need to share this again today. But only God, only God can truly reveal himself to someone. It is only by the Spirit of God, and only God can soften a hardened heart. Only God can bring the light of divine truth to a darkened heart. All right? And I say that as not a get-out-of-jail-free card, like I don't have to do anything. I can sit back and kick my feet up and let God do the rest. No, we're still called to share the good news. We're still called to live out our testimony before others, but it's only... God, through the Holy Spirit and having that revelation of who Jesus is, he is the one who saves. And I said this on Friday, I'm going to say it again because it was that good. (laughs) But we like, what it comes down to is pride. We want credit for saving that person. And I've I've been around people and I, I hate to say it, you know, I see it sometimes, not in our church, our church is great, but other churches that... You know, it's, it's like the token, you know, you walk in, you got your arm around and you don't just introduce that person, but you know, this is the, I led this person to the Lord. Bing. It's one for me, right? <laughs> and it's not exactly, it's not in here. That's not, that's not what we do. Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives revelation of who Christ is. You know, we are just called to share the word. We are called to proclaim it boldly, all right? We're not supposed to hide our light under a bush, right? Remember that song? We all went to children's church, right? But it's, it's, it's God who saves. It's God who saves. And I hope that that should be liberating and freeing for you, meaning that it, it is your responsibility to share the gospel, but it is not your responsibility to save others, Okay? That's true. You don't have to check that one. Maybe, I don't know if this is an American thing or not, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, Have you ever heard of the phrase, you can lead a horse to water? Have you, you can lead a camel to water? All right, you can lead a horse to water, but you, you can't make him drink. Have you ever heard that? Does that make sense to anybody in this place? The idea, what it's saying is that you can show somebody the truth, but they have to choose to take, partake of what's in front of them to drink the water. Okay? All right. We're moving along. So as we continue on, um, first there was Paul again. He covers the revelation of what, he, who, of what he had, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he goes into a section basically where he reviewed, he looked back at his past, and he kind of covers some of this. Uh, very quickly. And again, remember that Paul, one of Paul's key messages throughout his writings in the Bible is the message of justification by faith. This went completely against what had been practiced by the Jews up to that point. They had 
festivals, they had sacrifices, they had all these things they, that what was unclean, what wasn't clean, and this whole new gospel message freed people of that. But up until that point, they had to check all the boxes. They had to go in once a year. The priest had to go in and make you know, penance for their sins and sacrifice for their sins. So th- this was something big, and, and this justification by faith message is really what people were having problems with. So as Paul continues on in verses 13 and 14, first he covers, he goes back uh, in verse 13 <clears throat> there in chapter 1. It says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Paul was not kind to people who followed Christ. Is that established? And let me share, share, this this is just for you guys tonight. This is, I was praying about this earlier because I haven't haven't really preached a lot where you do like the same message more than once. So I really, but I'll tell you, I'm being honest and being sincere. Like I really pray, God, show me what to share with the people that are here tonight, okay, in this service. And God, show me this, and I want to share this with you if I can read my hieroglyphics here, but um, Paul persecuted Christians. So my question to you, as the question came up in my mind and I brought it before God and said, God, well, why didn't you just convert Paul way back at the beginning? Fair question, I think, right? Why why not? Why Why did all those Christians have to be persecuted. Some of them put to death. And as I prayed about it, and I was just, you know, asking God, and I, I didn't really like the answer. <laughs> but God does everything in his time. I don't know where our one thing is, our splash screen But it's all for his glory, for his glory. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard to swallow for us as Christians and what we see. We are not promised a life without struggle. Can I get an amen to that one? If you, I don't know if you've followed uh, the story of Nabil Qureshi, but he is, uh, he's very near death. They've actually gotten to the point where they can no longer do anything by man's standards. They're just trying to comfort him and what could possibly, possibly be his final few hours unless God truly does a miracle. Uh, he does these vlogs, and so he's still talking. And what's amazing, almost every time he vlogs, even in his weakness and everything he's going through, typically he always prays at the end for the people watching it's just incredible watching this journey. And you see things like that. You see people that give their life to share the gospel, that have these amazing testimonies and these amazing stories. And it is hard. It is challenging to sit there and say, God, where are you in this? Why are you allowing this somebody that, that's really just doing so many great things in the world to go through? You know, he's, he, should, he, should God not do something He's going to leave behind a wife and a little little girl. He has a little daughter. And that's one thing he said, I remember watching a while back, you know, was his biggest thing is his daughter, like that his daughter is going to have to grow up without an earthly father. Everybody, I think we can empathize with that. 
But to bring this back to this, what we were talking about with Paul is that God is doing things in his time and in his season. You know, your ways are higher than our ways, right? Jesus in the garden, Lord, take this cup, but if you cannot, not my will, but yours be done. God is accomplishing things. His, his aim is to create the largest net possible to pull in the greatest catch, especially here at the end of everything. As we approach the last days, or maybe we're in them, who knows. But we got to remember that. And we need to remember when we go through struggles and we go through trials and we go through things that we don't understand and we go through suffering. But remember, God is still God. God is still on the throne, and God is doing things beyond what we could ever know or imagine. And we may, just maybe, we'll get a glimpse when we arrive in eternity. But trust him. All those, those Christians that were persecuted, those Christians that died under this, this wretched man, that's what Paul was. That's why he refers to himself as the least of the apostles. I don't know, I'm not even on my notes anymore, so we'll just see what happens, but... Verse 24, the last, the end verse, listen to this. And it says, and they glorified God because of me. Do you know what that is? That's not pride. What he's saying is because I was such a wretched, horrible person, and I killed Christians, and I persecuted Christians. Because I was so bad, people saw that it was only by God that I could be changed and be doing what I'm doing. Paul spent most of his time in prisons, being beaten, being left for dead. Why? Because he was changed in such a way that he did not care anymore, and he was going to live his life for God's glory and to please his heavenly Father much more because he, he could care less about what the people on earth thought about him anymore. And because of you read about what this man went through and what he did, it's not because he was great. It's because his God was great. It's because your God is great. My God is great. James, sorry, I'm just getting this off my chest. And James, you know, when it talks about falling into various trials and counting it all joy, that's that upside down kingdom stuff we talked about. That's that crazy foolish talk, but that's the gospel that comes from God because it makes no sense, does it? I'm suffering. Woo. Yeah. I don't want to take away from pain, your pain, my pain. There's people I know, there's people I'm looking at right now in this congregation that I know you're going through difficult times or you've gone through hard times. And I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not, hopefully I'm not coming across as uh, being insensitive to your, your pain. I understand pain, believe me. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you can trust your heavenly father. He will comfort you and trust that he is not, not using you just as a circus show, but he's doing, he's using you to accomplish his plan and his purpose. He loves you. He loves you. Um, I think I'm going to talk about this. Acts 11, uh, verse 26. 
One thing again, remember, uh, in in this in this region especially, uh, the term Christian, okay, was not a a popular term. It was not a term that was well known. Okay, uh, there were no. There were Christ followers in Galatia, but Christians had not been labeled yet. Uh, again, in Acts 11.26, it says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Okay? So this, this term had not really taken hold. Okay? So instead, at this time... And what was happening in this region, the followers of Christ were seen more as a cancer in Judaism. Okay? They were seen as this, these people that had gotten off doctrinally. All right? And that's why Paul had the right, and he was given the right legally to pursue them and persecute them. Okay? This wasn't some crazy man just doing, he was, he was so convinced of what he believed that he was doing what was right and he was going to rid his religion of these evil people. Okay? I mean, I, I hope that comes through. But what's interesting is that there were many sects within this religion. There were many different veins of Judaism. Okay? But for some reason, only the Christians were persecuted. Do you know why? It's because there was something different about them. Something made them stand out. What was happening at this time was that the church, as it was, as Christians began to, to arise, you know what they found? I was reading this and studying this just today, is that amongst Christians, the social divisions were no longer able to be seen anymore. They were gathering together uh, with people they should not be associating with. They were gathering to, together from different classes in society. Why? Because once they found Christ, once the revelation had come, they had something to come around, to circle around, a common, this is what draws us together. And when I was reading this and studying this, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I looked, I saw all of you. And I'm like, look, we have no business sitting here together, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, white guy with a red beard and you got a whole rainbow of colors out here. But that's the beauty of, of Jesus. And in our church, you know, even on Fridays and stuff, and that's what's so interesting, what I love talking about our church, because like it's so funny, and it's, just, it's the question you always wait for in every conversation. Hey, how's it going? My name's Della. My name's Bob. Hey, Bob, what do you do? Oh, I work on whatever, aircraft. Oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, okay. And it's just like you wait for that pause in the conversation, like where are we going to go down this road or are we just going to walk separate ways? <laughs> and so, you know, some people will be like, oh, wow, that's, or they give you the courtesy, you know, oh, that's really great. That's great. Okay, I'm going to go. See you. <laughs> but those that I do get to have a conversation with and I get to brag on our church and just say, listen, this is not, we are not an Indian church. There are those in Kuwait. We are not a Filipino church. There's those in Kuwait. We're not an all-white church. There's those in Kuwait, too. We are an international church. We are, sorry, I'm bragging on, but we are a picture of heaven. Yeah. 
because we are so different from so many different backgrounds, but it's because we have Jesus at the center, not to be cliche. I know we sing it, but it's a great song. Jesus at the center, and that's what keeps us. Steve and I, we talk all the time. You know, we, we don't get into the fringe. Some people will try to pull us there, but we don't get into these fringe arguments. Why? Because we agree. Let's, let's look at what we agree on. Now, again, in love and in kindness and in the right attitude, we can have those conversations in love. And at the end of the day, we may see things differently still. But as long as we see Jesus the same way, that's, that's where we keep coming back to. And that's what keeps us. So Paul continues on. We're still talking about him uh, in Galatians. And I'm just going to kind of fast forward here. I want to get to some of this last stuff. Uh, he, he then finishes out the chapter and basically just covers he's moving around. The big thing to take away from this is that he did not go see the, the, the apostles yet. Okay, he goes away from them and God continues to reveal himself and he, he starts preaching this gospel to the Gentiles. And again, when he does finally arrive in Jerusalem, then when people actually work up the nerve to meet with him, because <laughs> as you can imagine, nobody wanted to. Um, yeah, come meet the guy that just killed a bunch of Christians and has been chasing us and hunting us down. Like, sign me up for that one. Um, but finally, everybody meets together and, and they, they work this out and they see that nobody's taught this guy this. He says he got it from, from God and it lines up exactly the same message that we have. Welcome him in. So, to take all of this and just in case you haven't gotten anything yet to this point, hopefully here you can, all right? The gospel is not restricted to one nation or people, all right? In this case, you know, we're talking about the Jews. Instead, it is, a free, it's, it is free to all who will accept it by faith. The gospel is not an exclusive message for a certain people. And just like I just said, and this is what people were seeing, is that it was breaking down those social barriers. It was bringing people together, and they couldn't explain it. We must be more concerned with the approval of God than that of man. Okay? There is a fine line between being approved by others and having that approval as our motivation. What I said earlier when about Paul, remember I said he didn't care? That's what I'm talking about. He only cared about one person. That was Jesus. That was pleasing his God. That's where we should be at, too. And that, that looks different for all of us. You know, we, <clears throat> what has God put on your heart to do? When you're sitting in the restaurant, when you're, you know, is God saying you need to speak to those people? I tell this to people all the time, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, Steve, so if I am, just bring it up in our meeting. But it's, uh, I would rather spend time praying. I, I, I try to look for people. I pray and I ask God, God, show me somebody. Rather than walking down the line, and I mean, you can do that. I've been with people. My uncle, when you used to ask him to pray in a restaurant, he was the guy that would stand up and like pray at the top of his lungs for the entire, I'm not even joking. Pray for the entire restaurant. The whole place would just be quiet. And people were like, you know, take their food out of their mouth. Like, they don't know to pray or to walk out or what. And I'm just like getting under the table. You know, I was young. I was like, 
I don't know if anybody ever got saved from that, but um, but I I don't want to come get if 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 you're bold and you do that stuff, I don't want to say that it's wrong. But all I'm saying is just some. We're not looking for quantity. We're not. You're not going to be get more points. Instead, just ask God. God, give me that person. Give me that one person today. Make that whose heart is ready. Who who just needs that nudge? Who's that hurting person? Uh, Laura, she's not here today. Uh, I got to hear a story. I do some work with one of the schools here. Or no, no, it was actually at church. Uh, somebody came to the church. One of her people that in her building, and I just it was neat. I'm glad she's not here because she'd probably be embarrassed I'm telling this story. But she, she's just so, she's so nice and sensitive. And so she walked in the door. She saw a lady that was having a hard time. And instead of just being in a hurry and walking by, she stopped and she said, hey, are you okay? Can I help? And they, she, she was able to help her. There's a long story. I'm not going to fill that all in. But uh, she wasn't so busy and so in a hurry to go save somebody that she missed the one sitting right in front of her as she's walking by, right? We need to ask God, show us, and, and, and to really be sensitive to that, and God will. God will. Just in conclusion here, another, I believe, thing we can take away is that we need to always be examining the way we are living out the gospel to ensure it is consistent with Scripture, okay? You see, once people know we're a Christian, whether you want to be or not, by default, you become the gospel message to to everybody around you. I worked with this one guy. He drove me nuts. Uh, he he, He based all of his theology off of Hollywood movies, yeah, exactly. Not Passion of the Christ Hollywood movie either. It was like these crazy demonic things. And, you know, I think that's how Satan is, you know. And I'm like, no, that's not how Satan is, actually. You're crazy. But Jesus loves you. Um, but it's, we have to be very careful. And this, you know, you know how we do this, right, is by, by spending time here. Does your life line up with this? Because, listen, and I'm going to say it again. I've already said it probably a few times. The way the world is going, the way the tide is moving, it is becoming easier and easier to live something completely different than what it says in this. You see, what happens is when you read Scripture, when you read the Word of God, you know what it does? It shines a big, huge searchlight on that dark place in your heart that you want no one to know about. All the cockroaches go running Now you see it. Now you have a choice. Either you grab your big rug, and if you have a rug like I do in my heart, and you pull it over top to cover it, or do you allow God through the Holy Spirit to do something about that area of your heart? That's that's the I almost said that maybe it is. That's the problem when you read scripture. Is it it works. It's going to reveal those areas, and, and you're going to have a decision to make. And let me, let me tell you something else. Listen, <laughs> until you deal with that, everybody put your toes out. Listen, until you deal with that, that thing that God was telling you a year ago, 
or a few months ago that you still haven't dealt with. And yet you're like, oh, I just can't get into the word. Oh, my prayers, they just feel like they're hitting the ceiling. God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? Lord, I just want it. I want your presence. God, I go to the Friday service and the Sunday night service and I still don't feel anything. All the while, God's saying, repent. Remember that thing back then? That's what I'm waiting for. Because you know what happens when you do that? You grow callous. The Spirit of God is moving, and when you allow Him to, He'll come in and He'll show you. He's like, right, just kind of give you a little push on that one, that little sensitive spot right here. I need you to let me deal with that. Question is, will you let Him? Finally, lastly, I want you to be encouraged by this message tonight and this account of Paul in that no one, no one is out of reach. No one is in a place where God cannot reach them. And this is really what Paul, again, I want to hit that again. I already said it, but when that last, that's what a profound sentence. And they glorified God because of me. And I would challenge you in your, in your quiet time with God this week. Ask him that question. Say, God, can, can people glorify you because of what they see in my life? Because another thing to do with suffering, another thing when you go through trials, it's not the trial and the suffering isn't enough in and of itself, but it's, it's how you go through that. Maybe you've seen those people where they're going through a difficult season, and if you've ever heard that, ter- or that phrase, you know, you have a choice to either become bitter or better. How you go through it. I've heard it said once by someone, a, a pastor somewhere, it's, it's, he says, do not waste your pain. If you are in a place where you're hurting, don't let it be for nothing. Let God do what he's doing. And you know what's great is a lot of times you're going to benefit in the end because God's going to do something through it. You're going to grow. You're going to mature as a Christian. But you know what's amazing is many times, and you may not even know it, you may not even ever find out about it, but people are watching you and how you carry yourself through your pain and through your suffering. You see some of those people that front as Christians, and then something happens, and you don't see them anymore at church. Uh, if you see them, they it, sometimes even they just change their whole faith, their whole demeanor changes. It's amazing what a little bit of pain or a lot of pain and suffering does. And so we need to carry ourselves in such a way that it's an example. But again, be encouraged if you're praying for someone. If you're praying for that family member, for that son or daughter, for that spouse, for that friend, for that parent that has not found and discovered the revelation of Jesus Christ yet, keep praying. Keep sharing. Keep loving them. And God will be faithful. And I I hope you'll pray the way I've been praying and that, Lord, let your name be glorified somehow in my life. That at the end of it all, I pray 
that your name was glorified. I don't care if people know my name. I really don't. I care that they know the name of Jesus. That if I had some part of my life was able to pass that on, or somebody was able to gain strength or be encouraged or find Christ through watching my life or hearing something I said, then praise God for that. I don't need the fame. I don't need the glory. And I want that to be my prayer, is that God be glorified through me. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord God. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, just that you have spoken to us by your spirit. God, I pray for each one here in this place, Lord. I pray that I'm sure many here know you. They've had revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And God, if there's anyone in this place that hasn't, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would meet them where they're at. Much like the Apostle Paul, as we've read, God, on the Damascus Road, where you just showed up and you got his attention. And he could have, he could have done something different. He could have ignored it. He could have gotten bitter. But his life was changed there on the road, and he changed the world. You changed the world through him because he lived a life of surrender. Lord God, I also pray for any of us here in this place that are really living our lives for someone else, that we're seeking approval of man when we should be seeking approval of of God. God, let us seek your approval. And everything we do in our actions and our words, Father, I pray that you're able to look down from heaven and smile and say that you're proud of your son or your daughter. God, I just lift up this place and this service to you, God, and ask that you continue, Lord, to just let this be a place where your glory is seen through everything we do, everything we say, even just through our actions, the way we love people in this area, that that this place becomes known, this church here in, in Mabula, CIC, becomes known as a place where people are loved and that the love of Christ is evident in every single one, that people here are different. Let us be a light, Lord, to the, the dark world that's around us. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon this place and that you use us, Lord, as vessels. And God, I also this evening want to just lift up anyone here, as we've mentioned already, that's, that's hurting. Anyone here in this place that's going through a difficult season in life, God, you've given us emotion. You've given us those feelings. We, we are able to feel pain. We are able to suffer. So God, I, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that it's a challenge and that it's hard. God, we acknowledge that we don't always understand your ways. But God, I pray that your love and to, that, that the people here in this place that are hurting know your love in such a way that it, it supersedes our pain. God, that we never doubt the love that you have for us. And God, if there's anything we can do in that situation, if if you are waiting for us to deal with something, God, let us step forward, even if it's the most challenging thing we've ever done. 
God, I pray that as you're, by your spirit, you enlighten and you show us areas of our life that are not pleasing to you, areas where we have allowed sin that maybe seems even innocent or playful, like it's not a big deal or it's not hurting someone else, but we've allowed this sin to creep in. God, I pray that we address it. God, that we face it. God, that we repent of it. God, that we turn from it and that, God, we walk away from it. Then we can experience your blessing. Then we can experience, Lord, your love and your mercy and, God, that you can use us. Bless each one here in this place tonight, Lord. We thank you for what you've done here in this service this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.